the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Money, 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 money. This show is about being a good human being. No, it's about money, 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 getting you to retirement, getting you to live a life while you can before you end up slumped over on your steering wheel, dead from disappointment of what your life turned out to be, saddened, you were never able to right the wrongs of getting ahead. You know, one of my favorite movies in the world was a movie called Transformers. It was, I know you're saying, the one with the the recent movies? No, 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 no. The cartoon Transformers back in the 1990s. It was uh, when Optimus Prime died at the end of the movie, saving the rest of humanity. I was like, no, no. And they had that awesome soundtrack, Transformers, more than meets the sky. And it was like all rock and roll. But anyway, I'm digressing. Do you know what I liked about that as a kid? I had, I played with some Transformers. I never had one myself. My parents were too poor. I know you're saying you're that you were that poor. You didn't have Transformer toys. <clears throat> yeah, we were that poor. I came from a, a poor black family. Rob Black and your money. Um, and my my cousin Roberto Negro would visit, and he would come, and he would have um, Transformer toys. And I always liked them because you know it started off a car and it turned into a robot. How cool was that? The way we're going as society, have you not seen the Transformers robots? There's even a more rock and roll one done by Van Halen. I know you're saying, really? It might have been Sammy Hagar. It might have been Van Hagar. I'm not quite sure. It's neither here nor there. But anyway, the whole idea of things transforming was kind of cool to me. A car transforming into a robot that could shoot missiles. Um, I had an imagination as a kid. But now, like, when you go around town, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, when you go around town, you see smaller and smaller apartments being built, right? Yeah. Smaller and smaller condos. Um, the sprawling McMansions kind of 
uh, in the Bay Area. They, they're not de- developing them per se. If they are, they're in Woodside and they're in the gated community. And you and I don't get to drive by them. Um, furniture that transforms now. I'm seeing more and more cool stuff, right? More and more Murphy beds. Is this it? Huh, I remember this is better in the 90s. <laughs> My favorite is the shelf. So it's got like huh? six shelves huh? and then it rotates. It rotates down and so you have all your dining wear on it huh? and then it rolls into a corner and you roll it out and you rotate it and all the shelves all meet together and create a your table that you eat on and all the plates are already right there and then when you're done you put all the plates on the on each sleeve and then it rotates back up and you slide it back in the corner that's my favorite transforming furniture they've now got desks and coffee tables that transform like you can get a coffee table that suddenly pops up and turns into a desk pretty cool stuff and i think that's a society that we're moving towards um, yeah, so this show is all about real estate. It's about things that are changing culturally. Do you remember 20 years ago when you loved, or, oh, God, 25, 30 years ago when you loved Transformers and it was a midnight movie and you're a teenager? You got the touch. You got the touch. There you go. You got the power. You got the power. That's better. That's more of the 90s crap that I like. Stan Bush. Dan Bush? Sounds like, sounds like Sammy Hagar. I got an idea for a movie. Let's get Sammy Hagar. We can't afford Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Let's get a guy who sounds like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> that doesn't work in investing. Let's get a beach house. No, no, no. We don't have the money for a beach house. Okay, let's get a. Uh, let's make it out of balsa wood. It won't be a problem. Compromising. So a lot of compromises is what I'm kind of seeing, and the solutions sometimes seem to be having you know furniture that transforms into robots and desks and beds and. Yeah, if you haven't been in Ikea for a while, um, they have that micro-unit display. It's pretty fascinating to see the, the the little things that they don't really just transform. It's just it's it's just how people are changing the way they live and, and smaller and more convenient items. It's it's pretty cool. I, I and in reality, that's the way we have to live here in the Bay Area moving forward. Well, our planet can't support it, you know. Or what? If our planet can't support well, Oh, man, you just pulled an old man moment. <laughs> turn, I said if our turn planet... My head turn, what? What? <laughs> what? Oh, what? you say? Hey, man, I'm 91 years old. Man. Got that? I deserve a little respect <laughs> from you, my buddy. Oh, okay. Hold on. He's saying that his headphones were turned down. You're darn tootin'. So anyway, um, saving space is a big thing, and I think in the world of real estate, that has to come across on, you know, realtors have to know their stuff at this point in time. Millennials want, you know, the differences that, say, Generation X, and uh, Generation X, I want a, I want a bigger home. I want the home that I grew up in, and it's just, just not a reality in, in some parts of the country anymore, without sacrificing a lot of money. Yeah. And Which I'm okay with, by the way. Sometimes I take big wads of cash. I take them up the mountain. We're hearing a lot more people. Pull out my sacrificial dagger. We're, we're hearing a lot more people saying we we need some breathing room and and reaching out to other parts of the state and saying, oh, I want to get a second home and it could be anywhere in the mountains or even Sacramento just so they could have like family vacations in a larger house because they live in some sort of you know sub thousand square foot unit. Right. Just for the convenience of. You work. were telling me about that recently that someone lives in a teeny teeny tiny home. 
They live in a teeny tiny home, but they bought they bought a big two thousand square foot home in Sacramento as a second home, and they, we were able to do it. Even in Sacramento, they wrote a great letter to the lender saying, "This is my family lives there." They proved a couple things, and it worked. And they have a place that they can all get together once a year, or, or you can buy a place in Arnold, for example. And and you know what I don't like about buying a home in Sacramento as a second home, or a getaway home, or as an idea like that, which isn't a bad thing. Like you're you're paying yourself, you're building some equity. I get it, I get it. But I once was in Sacramento, on the outskirts of Sacramento, and I went into a restaurant, and this, this waitress was beautiful. Beautiful eyes, beautiful legs. I was like, oh. But she had a collar on her neck. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> it was a flea collar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> People in Sacramento have fleas. I, I, I can't comment. I don't want to live in Tracy. Don't want to live in Stockton. Don't want to live in Sacramento. The armpit of California. Behave yourself. It could have been a Rob Black caller. Could have been a Rob Black caller. <laughs> Keep away. <laughs> Rob Black caller. That's right, Jack. So anyway, um, money, investment, retirement. But that's, a, that's an interesting one that someone said, I'm going to buy a home. And again, maybe it was an investment. Maybe it was a family cultural thing. Maybe it was, uh, uh, you know, maybe this is somewhere I'm going to escape to one day. Guy got a garage. And he said he liked to have a garage for hobbies. Um, the wife said she wanted to do gardening. These are things that she, they both didn't have in the property that they have in San Francisco. So these are things that people are starting to think about. Um, that's why you're seeing places like the outskirts of Sacramento start to grow. Grass Valley is a huge community, a growing community right now. And rents, but we, we were just recently in Auburn. Thinking a different Auburn, way, right? People are thinking a different way. I, I found this a very interesting comment where, um, uh, People from Sacramento are moving up farther up the mountainside because people from San Francisco are coming into into Sacramento and buying up their houses. They're getting all the equity and moving it up farther up the hill. So people are 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 trying are figuring out the California real estate as it moves. Who's going to be the big winner? I think it's the first person on the the uh, beginning of that list. Cities that are close, small cities that are close to mid-sized cities, mid-sized yeah. cities that are close to big-sized big cities. Yeah. So it's kind of an elbow. As long as we can the... still burn and churn them out of here. As they like to say in Sacramento, the elbow is connected to my my collarbone. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. BayAreaLoanSource.com. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Not a lot going on as far as stories stay in the market. Inflation rising too fast. That's probably the story of 2018. How do we fight it? We raise interest rates to slow down borrowing. Rising interest rates can kind of mess with the consumer out there, in large part because we have credit cards. 
So there's credit card story inside the rising interest rates, right? With a growing economy comes increased spending and rising credit card debt. In a lot of cases, that causes sleepless nights. I remember when I was younger and in college, I, for the record, I don't think credit cards should be allowed to advertise on college campuses. It's almost too good to be true. You're young, you're beautiful, get a credit card and eat pizza. Not only are you young and beautiful, but now you get to eat pizza. That's what I relate college credit cards to and maybe buying books, right? But a lot of Americans are really, really struggling with how much debt we're racking up. With a growing economy comes increased spending and rising credit card debt. In a lot of cases, that causes sleepless nights. Have you ever lost sleep over credit cards? I think we all have on some level. Again, for me, it was when I was younger. Until I learned that it's time to grow up and pay off my credit cards every month. Get the rewards for sure. Rewards, rewards. They're fantastic. One credit card gives me 2% back on everything I spend. And I look at that as I get a 2% discount on everything I buy. That's not bad. Um, If you go to Target and you use your red Target card, it gives you 5% off everything you buy. If you use an Amazon.com credit card, everything is 5% off at Amazon. That's not bad, in my opinion. So household income has grown during the past decade, but it's failed to keep up with the increased cost of living over the same period of time. And bridge that gap, a lot of us are using credit cards, which is one of the most expensive ways to borrow money. I did a home equity line of credit, and I borrowed money from my own home at 4%. Essentially, I sold part of my home back to the bank, and they gave me cash at 4%. Outstanding. So that frees me to use that cash now for home improvements or buying another home or whatever. Paying off high credit card debt, right? Outstanding credit card debt now has its highest point ever in the United States. It's hit its highest point ever in the United States, surpassing $1 trillion. Ouch. That has to be paid back. Sadly, I remember... In college, I dated a girl named Juliet. Out of college, we were still dating. And um, things didn't work out. Maybe she's the one that got away. But she had a friend who looked at going bankrupt as totally okay. So she'd go out and get credit cards, run them up, and then go file paperwork that she's going to go bankrupt. And the credit card company's lost. And yet she kept all of her shoes and clothes that she bought with that credit card. I always found that grotesque. But that's a mentality of a lot of people. Some people in the United States. Not all of them, but some of them. 86% of Americans who have or had credit card debt say they regret it. She did it. She looked at it as a way of getting free shoes and, you know, having a status filed against her. It's not the worst thing in the world. The main regrets are because it took a long time to pay off credit card debt for people. And then they start seeing that hefty interest expense causing unnecessary stress. 
40% of consumers, two out of five, 40% who have credit card debt said it affected their general happiness. One third said it negatively affected their standard of living. Wow. Your standard of living goes down because you get into credit card debt. But credit cards are typically used to improve your life by buying things, right? But one third say it, it affects their standard of living. Because ultimately, when push comes to shove, you got to pay it back, right? One in five, 20% of Americans who've had credit card debt say it had impacted their health. We don't want this, right? We don't. This this is a bad story. When I say it's a bad story, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm trying to say this is something we don't have. We don't have to have bad health. We could choose not to spend. Now again, I don't like debit cards. I like credit cards. But yet, you're saying debit cards can only take your cash, and when it's out, it's out. Credit cards, you can. I've got a credit card with like thirty-five thousand dollar max on it, which is like no. Um, and yet, it's because I put all my bills on it that I can, because again, I like the rewards. But who needs thirty-five thousand dollars of credit card debt? I get. $35,000 in a home equity line of credit or, you know, a 30-year mortgage, right? But I don't get it on a credit card. It takes a long time to pay that kind of stuff back. The average American has three credit cards and a total balance of $6,300.75. That's up 3% from last year. That's not good. That's no bueno. Currently... So the average American has $6,300 of credit card debt. And you know what credit card debt is, right? The best credit card, not the best, but most people I see, their, their percentage rates between 14 and 25%. So you borrow money, then you have to pay it back at 14 to 25%, right? And you're not getting a 14 to 25% raise this year, more than likely. 43% of Americans, 43% of cardholders, let me correct that, carry a balance each month. And that's where credit cards bite you, is that carrying the balance. It's going to kill you. Literally, it's going to affect your health, is what we're learning. There's nothing inherently wrong with using a credit card. It's the carrying the balance. Because the interest rates are so high, they can kind of snowball on you. So if the average credit card's Interest rate is 14.8%, and the average household pays a total of $900 in credit card interest each year. You know, how much did you get a $900 raise last year? Maybe. Let's hope. There's a good website app called creditkarma.com, Credit Karma. You can go download an iPhone, Google phones. It monitors your credit. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. i got a seminar coming up. I'd love to see you. Learn about income and wealth and retirement. You can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Sign up at robblackshow.com. The living out the pleasure that we lost. We were beautiful
comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing in more. At a start of my day where I woke up quite ill. Took me a little bit longer to eat composed than usual. Uh, just stomach virus or something going on. Not attractive. Is it a ulcer? Is it... Reflux, acid reflux in the morning? Is it a bender from the weekend? Is it a virus? These are all questions that I always have and I never know the answer to. But when it comes to money, I can come up with a pretty good answer for most of the questions. Is there such thing as a perfect credit score? In theory, most Americans have average credit. Um, But the question is not do most Americans have average credit. The question is, is, is there a perfect score? Let's start first and foremost by talking about how credit scores work. And it's honestly, I'm, I'm not going to say surprised, but after 20 plus years of doing this, basically every day, two to three hours a day, 52, 50 weeks of the year, uh, early on I was doing it five hours a day, then I went to a three, and then I've kind of gone down to two with some TV thrown in. But uh, you get the idea. So... One of the things from having such tenure in financial media is I probably get just as many questions about credit scores and credit as I do about investing. Certain times of the year obviously going to be different than others, for sure. A lot of creditors use what are called FICO scores and Vantage score scoring systems. My credit score tends to take a dip around the holidays. Pretty obviously, I'm charging more on my credit cards. I'm paying them off a month later, but that balance is one of the things that hurts me. But for the rest of the year, I'm pretty consistent. I guess there's going to be times where you're paying for college or you're doing something, right? There's three major credit score uh, bureaus out there. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Each system has a rating from a low of 300 to a perfect of 850. And one of the questions I have automatically already, when you know that, is why is 300 the lowest? Why not zero? Or negative points? This guy didn't pay off his mortgage, and he walked away from a house and child support. He should have a, like a negative 200, right? That's where you start thinking. So how do you start this trek to the perfect credit score? Gotta have a line of credit. Isn't that just the kick in the face that to get good credit you have to have good credit in theory speaking of credit card bills do you remember in the day and age when they'd come in the mail and uh it, what i did early on was i put all my credit cards like all my uh, bills in a pile called bills and then i knew that sometime around the 25th of the month because February always threw me with that 28-day month. That's something wrong about that. We should look into an investigation. We should have a special counsel on what's going on there. 
right. Thank you. Rob Black hates February. But yeah, I'd pay all my bills at the end of the month. And now I've auto-linked all my bills, my credit cards especially, to auto-pay. So I don't carry a balance. So pay your bills on time. Be aware of how you're swiping. You want to look at what I would refer to as a utilization rate, which is the ratio of how much you've spent on your credit card versus the card's limits. So I don't mind getting a little extra credit when I open my first credit card. Let's say Citibank Double Cash gives me a credit card for 5000 I don't mind calling them after two or three months and say, can we up that to ten, fifteen? Because I've, I put $1,000 on a $5,000 card. It's 20% utilized. You want to stay less than 30% of your available credit. Because the credit card companies and the credit bureaus worry, if we approve him for a mortgage or we approve him for a car, and he goes out and he maxes out his credit cards and can't pay them back, we just did a disservice to the people that are paying for these credit reports, the auto companies, the mortgage companies, the housing companies. So you want to keep that credit utilization at under 30. So you don't look like you'd potentially get drunk and go off the deep end on a spending bender. Average credit score for millennials is 628. You want to check, you want to obviously not use, utilize your credit card too much. Um, if you've got multiple cards and you have, you want to try to eliminate the small lingering balances. One of the items your score considers is how many of your cards have balances. So that way you're not polluting your credit report with a lot of little balances. So choose to opt, in my opinion, to go with one or two cards for most of your purchases. If you have too many, again, it just looks like you're financially engineering everything. Or it could have that potential. It's important to stay informed by checking your score regularly. Uh, Most institutions allow you to find out your score for free. There's a website, annualcreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com. It's important to maintain a healthy score. You don't necessarily have to have a perfect credit score to get the best credit term score from 700 to 749 or 750, 749 is considered good. 750 and above is considered excellent. So don't pursue the perfect credit score. The highest I've ever seen personally was about 817. It goes as high as 850. I'll have to get Tony Mendez from Bay Area Loan Source to come on at some point in time and see if he can't help me figure out if he's ever seen anything above an 817. And what was interesting about the 817 was someone who was making under $100,000 a year. So you you wouldn't necessarily think that this is a perfect candidate for a great credit score. Um, But, you know, the person had car bills and, you know, paid rent on time and set up things like... Uh, Pacific Gas and Electric Bills, which help. So, a lot going on there, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So, again, don't pursue the perfect credit score. Um, There's some good websites out there on credit. I like bankrate.com, bankrate.com, and NerdWallet. Uh, They both have apps. I prefer the websites, only from visually what I can see. We've learned, once again, that Facebook 
has done a no-no. I still think the stock is a buy. I think the company is a problem. Facebook scraped text and call data from their phones. And there's privacy from your phones. And there's privacy scandal that, you know, it just keeps coming at the worst possible times. And people are like, Facebook went into my phone and took my phone numbers out and took data out. Surprise, surprise, you put it there. You told them they can come on in. You didn't read your terms of of services. Some Facebook users have found that the company stored message and call logs from their phones. The company said it had permission to collect the information from Messenger, Facebook Messenger. So Facebook's already trying to rebuild trust after the Cambridge Analytica story, the whole Russian investigation. Fake news. Some Facebook users requested an archive of their personal data following the recent Cambridge Analytical scandal found that files had been stored months worth of data about whom they'd been text messaging and calling. Now I started thinking about this. And it doesn't bother me too much. But the way people use phones feels pretty private to me, right? I know some of you are watching TV, and you probably don't want us to know that you're watching Two and a Half Men. Some people are you who are probably watching adult material, and you probably don't want us knowing that. But it's out there. You know, we have a basic so, responsibility to protect people's data. And if we can't do that, then we don't deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. It is scary to know. Not scary bad for me. It's just intimidatingly big. It's like monolithic. It's, it's huge. How much companies know about us at this point in time and how they can use that against us. I was reading some reports about Cambridge Analytica, and you know they've got some owners who say, "Oh, we won the election for Trump." And one of the things they did was they they got data from you on your Facebook, and they kind of crafted a profile and they tested slogans. I got the sense from reading the article that the, the whole "Make America Great Again" slogan came from Cambridge Analytica, and. It's pretty interesting because if you read my Facebook post and my friend's Facebook, my friend's Facebook post, oh, some of them drive me nuts. But you would think, like, some of them post, like, Trump was an awful person. Obama's not any better. Trump was awful. Obama not any better. So right there, if I'm a data company, I would say democracy's struggling in America. Oh, and there's that make America great again. Kind of our democracy, right? Oh. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Rob Black online at robblack.com.
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I try not to define myself as, you don't understand Missouri State is a real good agricultural program, but you're working in tech. But I didn't know I was going to work in tech. (laughs) It's like, okay. Oh, what did I just bring that up for? I don't know. I think I've had a stroke. What are you talking about, Which isn't funny. I've promised if I have a stroke or die that I'll do it on air. And then if I've had a stroke, I promise to be exactly like Dick Clark and stay around a little uncomfortably too long. No way. So something that I like as an investor are mergers and acquisitions. And typically Mondays are those days where you find out, did these guys really hammer out a deal over the weekend and the attorneys didn't leak the information and it's, it's real for real? And then you go and you look at the wedding plates that are announced on Monday morning. And whether it's Sprint and T-Mobile or whether it's a healthcare company buying up another healthcare company. Mergers and acquisitions are nice because a lot of people will say, I think Wall Street is a big um, casino. Well, do you think a company just spent $1 billion at a casino or did they buy a part of a company. And if you really think they went into a casino and got drunk and said, now's the time for me to spend you know, $3 billion to pick up a, a new healthcare company, there was a reason for it. Now, some companies do, they go on offense with mergers and acquisitions to try to catch up to someone like a Netflix or an Amazon. So, you know, and Netflix has got the movies, and Disney's suddenly making a, a, a move at Fox, or they're making a move for, you know, yeah, Fox to get some of their old TV programs so they can maybe run a, a Netflix-like service themselves. Because Disney's saying, like, I see the future. So you're seeing companies like Amazon say, I see the future in healthcare. So you're seeing healthcare companies on Monday morning say, we, we made a deal over the weekend with another company, whether it's Signor Express Scripts or CVS Health and Aetna. Merchants and acquisitions are super important to me because it's, it's showing me that it's not a casino. It's showing me that, you know, CVS Healthcare may value Aetna at $3 per subscriber or at $4.5 in, in profit. I don't know. I kind of want to see why are they buying each other and what price are they willing to pay? Because maybe another company will come in and say, I think that's cheap. Maybe another company will come in and say, well, look at us. we got numbers that are way lower than that. You want value, you can shop right here. Taintedmeat.com. I know you're saying, no. Yes, I will take I will take a hamburger with tainted meat and some of that... that that lettuce. You know, I heard a healthcare, uh, a food safety inspector talk about a food inspector talk about stuff that he'll never eat at restaurants. And he said the number one thing that he'll never eat is is lettuce. 
He says it comes from too many sources. It gets chopped up. It gets touched too many times. And uh, he said also when you get your burger, get it well done just to, just so you know. Because if there is going to be contamination, it's going to be in the, the, the room temperature meat. I don't know. I, I find people like that useful. It's like a pilot giving advice on, you know, what happens if a jet engine blows out. Yeah. I like to hear that stuff on occasion. I like to hear it. I'll be honest with you. That's important for me. I love you people. Um, Warren Buffett is someone that I, I pay a lot of attention to. You should have more people than just one. Right? Maybe you really like that. But then you have to start questioning motives. Like, Susie Orman, she she kind of ebbs and flows. And she, I haven't seen her in years. Um, to me, she looks like a piece of leather. Wearing a shirt made out of leather that looks like the shirt was meant for someone's pants to be made out of leather. But she looks like a piece of leather who's wearing a piece of leather that's not meant to be a shirt, but meant to be a pair of pants. And I always thought her investment advice was just awful. And I thought, you know, she would do things like sell bankruptcy kits for $99 when all you had to do was use the thing called Google and go, how do I get out of bankruptcy? Or what do I need to know about bankruptcy? And she sold insurance that was crap insurance, no good insurance, bad insurance, um, bad insurance, bad. And she said, you know, I personally trained all my agents. And she didn't. She doesn't even know what stuff she was pushing. So she's made a, a career, talking about making a career, you know, Warren Buffett made a career out of being the greatest investor of all time. She's made a career out of being like, just kind of like this annoying mother. Can I, hey Susie, hey Sue, she doesn't even call herself Susie, she calls herself Sue's. Hey Suze, can I, can I afford this, uh. $800 dress? Well, let's take a look, shall we? And then she'll, like, get three things from you. She goes, Girlfriend, you can afford that dress. Or she'll say, Girlfriend, I hate to say this, but no, you can't afford the dress. Are we really that stupid that we need to be coddled like that? I like being coddled like sour cream. That's curdled. No, no, curdled. You can find me online at Rob Show, Twitter Rob Show, YouTube Rob Show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.